0: I'm former congressman, Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm a millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. President Joe Biden is getting close to wrapping up his 100th day as President of the United States. And I'm going to tell you today what I think would be his biggest mistake that he's made thus far. Can he correct it? Yes, he can. He can correct it very quickly. But it is, to me, a glaring mistake. But unfortunately, the liberal media is not going to tell you about this humongous mistake because they're kind of happy with it because they think, oh no, everything's going to work out all right. Well, I'm going to tell you what his biggest mistake would be on this show today. Next, we're also going to talk about his polling numbers. He's doing 17 points worse than Barack Obama over the first 100 days of his tenure as president. He's doing 10 points worse than George H.W. Bush during his first 100 days in office. Now, He is beating Donald Trump, but that ain't saying too much, folks. So the bottom line of it is he is barely over the hump. He's at 52% approval, and that, folks, is not good. Now, it's better than being underwater, which Donald Trump was, but there are a lot of factors tied to that. Keep in mind, Donald Trump did not win the popular vote when he won his first election and only election. Joe Biden won his by over 7 million votes. So why is he struggling to get over half of the American people thinking that he's doing a good job? We'll talk about that. And then, of course, Gary, we have the George Floyd murder trial and the conviction. We'll talk about that issue. And if we have time, we're going to talk about a guy who's a drunken sailor. Yeah, a drunken sailor. It's a political term that I use very frequently when I was running for office 30 years ago, because some Democrats act like drunken sailors. And we'll talk about that if we have time this week. If not, we'll get to it next week. But let's first start with the uh, the biggest mistake that Joe Biden has made, Gary, which is a silent mistake, but it's a big one, okay? And President Biden, you can correct this, you can correct it tomorrow. You can correct it at the State of the Union address. You can just correct it. Very easy to correct. The mistake is, people think you're partisan, okay? Very partisan. Okay, you may say, hey, I don't care about that, I don't care. No, let's back up. You had more Republican luminaries support you during the 2020 election than probably any Democrat in the history of America. Yes, that list is so long, please folks, Google it, and you'll see the long list of Republicans that supported Joe Biden for president. Oh, you got Susan Molinari, you got this person, you got Jack Quinn, you got Scott Ringo, you got, you got Colin Powell, I mean, you can go, I can I can literally almost go through the whole show, just naming luminaries, Republicans, who supported you. And guess what you've done to them? Ah, uh, nothing. You've given them, yeah, that's what that, you know what that means? I think you know what I mean, audience. Well, that's what Joe Biden has given all of those Republicans, elected officials who went out of their way, went out of their way to say that they would vote against Trump, went out of their way to say they would support Biden. And Mr. President, you said during that time that you are going to look at Republicans for your administration. And unfortunately, that turned out to be, I'm going to use the word, a lie. Because you have not. And that, folks, would be President Biden's biggest mistake. Let's look at it from a historical perspective. Other presidents who were Democrats were smart enough to realize that there's a lot of wisdom to picking people from the other side to be part of your administration. Now, I'm not talking about Lincoln during that day. He's a Republican. That's like, yeah, he did that too. Yes, yes, yes. No, I'm talking about the person you served with, Mr. Biden, former President Barack Obama. You know what he did? He picked a senator from Nebraska and made him Secretary of Defense. And guess what he was? He was a Republican. Senator Chuck Hagel, a Republican from Middle America, from Nebraska, a state that's really, really red. And he put him in his cabinet. President Obama picked a Republican congressman, a good friend of mine, Ray LaHood, to be his Secretary of Transportation. Yeah, Republican, Secretary of Transportation. But we can move on. There's another person, Bill Clinton. I think you've heard of him, Mr. President. Bill Clinton, what did he do? He took a senator from Maine by the name of Bill Cohen, a person who was very prominent in the Richard Nixon impeachment hearings many, many years ago, many, many decades ago. He took Senator Bill Cohen, a personal friend of mine, and made him Secretary of Defense. Bill Clinton did that. Listen, listen, Mr. President. Listen, President Biden. Listen, listen, listen. Who else? Well, Bill Clinton saw the wisdom of that more than once. Bill Clinton decided, okay, President George H.W. Bush is leaving, but there's this guy by the name of Colin Powell who is a great American, and I'm going to let him stay in the position he has in charge of our armed forces as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And that's what Bill Clinton did. So Colin Powell, General Powell served as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff for a Republican president, served in that same capacity for a Democrat president. And America loved him for it. And America loved the presidents for doing that. And then of course, General Powell went on to become Secretary of State with another Republican. He went Republican, Democrat, Republican. There's nothing wrong with that. We're Americans. And if you want to show America, Mr. President, President Biden, that you appreciate both sides, go Google all of these Republicans who came out, staked their reputation on supporting you. I mean, the list is so long. And I'm only talking about, oh, God, White House officials, that list is so long. Treasury officials, The list is so long. Listen, I'm, I'm still scrolling. State Department, and the list is still going on. The Justice Department, the Intelligence Community, the Homeland Security Department, people, the Defense Department. I mean, the list keeps going. Cabinet members, there are probably 40 Cabinet members who are Republicans who supported you, Mr. Biden. And you have given them the... That's right, can't find a spot for him. Well, the polling will show that America thinks you're too partisan. And I'm giving you the reason why, because it truly has been. It true, now the border's bad, the pipeline's bad. There's a lot of things that you, know, you can criticize you for and that obviously the polling will reflect that. But what people will not talk about is what I just mentioned. The fact that you have ignored all Republican former elected officials or appointed officials. In every administration, back in the day, Joe Lieberman had a friendly relationship with Republican people like John McCain and also with Republican presidents. Romney obviously has had a close relationship with the other side. As, even though he's a Republican, he's had a very close relationship with the Democrats. You haven't managed to do that with any Republican, and it's easy. Oh, well, oh I'm sorry, wait a minute. Trump's not there to be your foil. But still, you got to get somebody who's an elected official I mean, there's 200 and some odd members in the House. There's 50 members in the Senate. Can't you get one guy who likes you? Every other president has been able to do that of late. They get somebody. Donald Trump had Manchin, got Senator from West Virginia. You have nobody. So, Mr. President, please, please look at what other people have done from the perspective of getting some sense. Of bipartisanship. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that the polarization was solved by those appointments, but let me tell you, it can only get worse if we don't do things of that nature. Bring us in, bring us in a tent. So, who do you think he should choose to fill one of the cabinet positions? Well, I always thought, and, I, and this is because, it's just because I like the guy, he should have given something to uh, John Kasich. You know, I mean, the guy, I think he took the biggest risk. He was the last man standing in the race for president. I mean for the nomination for the Republican party the year that Trump got it no republican would have had the um, credentials or the notoriety that John Kasich would have coupled with his experience as a congressman as well as governor of the state of Ohio so but there's a lot you know I could mention Larry Hogan too you know so the governor of Maryland there there are a few but definitely John Kasich would definitely come to mind But there's so many. I tell you, (laughs) there's so many. (laughs) But I'm more interested in the fact that you have been passing bills or attempting to pass bills with no Republican support. Why? Why is that? Why can't you get someone, anyone, anyone? Maybe just say, "Hey, guess what? I'm not Donald Trump. Romney, you think you will vote for this measure? Get somebody because that is that is really bad. But your biggest mistake is that you you've given the you to all. Republicans who supported you, you've given them, that's it. And so bottom line of it is, you can correct it. You can correct that State of the Union address and say, you know, I made a promise during the campaign. I was i was so appreciative of all this Republican support leadership and all these former members. I am going to do... Oh, you gave out all those positions. That's right. I forgot. That's, right. that's right. That's right. Okay. So anyhow, you got a problem there, Mr. President. And I think you can correct it, but you know, one, one step at a time. But you have to look at doing that because the polling is there. It, it's screaming at you that people think you are too partisan. And there's good reason for it. Has he made any exceptions when it comes to the bills that are being voted on? Has he thrown any Republicans any you know type of bone or anything during those bills that are being passed? No, he's done nothing but lip service and bottom line, Gary. And I'll talk about this under the Drunken Sailor segment. He has uh, offered just tax and spend measures. Literally, he obviously doesn't want to talk about that. Maybe he does want to talk about this. He is spending more trillions of dollars within this first 100 days of he's proposed and or spent more trillions of dollars than, than, than anyone could ever, ever imagine. Um, I mean, even within the last five or seven days, he offered his third big package of trillion dollar spending, multi-trillion, almost multi-trillion dollar spending under his new plan called the Family Plan. But we'll come back to that a little later because that's a whole other segment. He has to hopefully not think that he can move the country forward by trying to say that, hey, Americans are in agreement with me on all this uh, spending. It's just that the Republican senators... They're not in touch with their own constituents. Ah, no, 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 no. Can't say that. Not only did the Washington Post ABC do this poll, and it came out 52%, but NBC, I believe, did one. Also, Hill did one. Guess what? They all came out to 52%. And basically, they're all saying the same thing, okay? Now, for your job approval rating, Mr. Biden, your overall, with all adults of 52%. Mm-hmm. I believe that since all the polls are exactly the same, that possibly they sampled properly. Okay, that's a good that's a good testament of that. Okay, so you got the, the Democrats saying that, hey, you're doing a great job, Mr. President. Hey, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. So you're at 90% with, with Democrats. But Republicans have you 13%. Yeah, I'm among that 13%. But the bottom line of it is, that's not good. 91 direction, almost 10% the other direction. That's not good. Independents have you at 47, underwater. You don't break 50% with independents. You're only at 52% because there are far more Democrats registered in America than there are Republicans. That's the only reason why you are above 50%. Let me go through that again. You're at a 90% rating with Democrats. You're at a 13% rating with Republicans. Okay. And you're 47 with independents. So technically speaking, it's very possible that you will be underwater. Now, Let's look at a coronavirus situation. Now, there you get you get great ratings. The Democrats give you a ninety-two percent, the Republicans give you a thirty-three percent, and the Independents give you a sixty-three percent. That's because you just threw trillions of dollars at people. I mean, that's <laughs> bottom line. And you have followed through on um, really what was outlined by your predecessor. I'm not going to mention his name since that kind of turns your stomach when you hear it. So I'll just say your predecessor. It's the exact same plan. Yeah. Even down to the drugstores, vaccinating you. I remember when it was said. I think most reporters would remember when all that was said. Everybody knew that whenever you're going through a process, there is a learning curve, there's a production curve that we have to deal with. Everyone knew that. Now we have, it's been reported, a higher supply number than we have demand, which offers another problem that we have to look at and try to deal with. So kudos for that category. Uh, we do uh, have some hiccups, and we uh, I don't want to expand upon, upon that because we want people to get vaccinated. Now, let's look at the economy. After all that spending you've done with the COVID relief, because for the most part, yeah, a lot of that money still in the pipeline, has not gotten through to the people, you're at 52%. And once again, uh, 87% of the Democrats agree with you, 17% of, of the Republicans on the economy. But the independents, you're underwater. You know, only 47% agreed with how you're doing and handling the economy. Because basically, it's only been 100 days. So let's not get overly critical of what has happened. But um, what you've done is spent a whole lot of money and made proposals to spend even more money and then made a proposal last week to spend even more money. Infrastructure, that's going to be over $2 trillion is what you offered. Well, guess what? That wasn't enough. A week later, or I should say this a few days ago, you offered another plan called the family plan, which is going to be a $1.8 trillion package. So that's $4 trillion. And then the COVID passed before. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And I guess the people who are buying our notes are just, you know, I don't know. I, I, it, this, is, this is a weird situation, folks. And, and people should understand that <laughs> who, who's allowing us to rack up that credit card? To, to these high numbers. And someone has to be, have the money that, that they're allowing us to borrow in order for these monies to go out, okay? So we need a reality check pretty soon. And that, let's not forget about Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, all those other trust funds that we have. We, we've never, you know, not in the last 10, 20 years, talked about trying to make sure that they can last for a long period of time to service all the people who are retiring. So it's interesting to look at the, the other numbers like on immigration, where most Democrats give, well, 64% of Democrats give you a favorable grade. Now, immigration's really an interesting one because I look at it as invasion, okay? You know, if these individuals had uniforms on and were doing what they're doing right now, we would call it an invasion. But because they're not dressed in a military uniform, and they look like they're they're kids and they're whatever, they're they're Trojan horses, as I would call them. we look look at it as being, hey, hey, well, you know. No, it's not hey, how, you know. The people should be not allowed to just walk through here and come across here without going through the regular, normal, legal process. And if they should come through here illegally, they should be returned. They should be given given a one-way ticket back to where they came from, and or back to Mexico and let Mexico deal with it. Because if they came from another country, The next country that they would come through would be ultimately come to the United States would be Mexico. So and nothing's going on bad bad in Mexico, so there's no reason for them to seek asylum from Mexico to the United States. Very simple, cut it out. We we do not need to be doing this, folks. And so Republicans, he barely has 10% of the Republican support on the immigration situation with the U.S. Mexican border. And once again, if you're going to show leadership, why don't you show leadership? That is. Why you send someone there who has a high position within your administration to actually oversee this project? And I'm not going to get into the VP doing it because she obviously does not want to do it. And if they're trying to come up with plans in which they would somehow help those countries to get at the root... There's no root cause, okay? The root cause is protect our borders and protect our people. We deal with foreign aid all the time. Whole different discussion foreign aid. No, but there's only one thing that we need to do, and that's protect our borders. It should be simple. It should not be difficult. It's been done for over 200 years, and we should be able to do it now. Following three terms on the City Council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. Something I want to look up in the future, okay. uh, what was President Obama's ratings his first 100 days in? When President Obama had his first term. His first 100 days, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2008. So. so 2009, it was technically 2009, 2009 yeah. and he was at 69% approval, and... George W. Bush was at sixty-two percent. It's known as the uh, classic honeymoon period, Gary, because a lot of a lot of times, you know, we all kind of realize that there's growing pains for everyone. There's a learning curve for everyone, and that you should not. And we've tried not to do this on our show. You know, people have to get their feet wet. People have to get familiar with what their duties are, responsibilities. Yes, Joe Biden was vice president for eight years. Yes, he was a senator forever. But the bottom line of it is, we still give people that somewhat uh, honeymoon, grace period, whatever whatever you want to call it. It's usually called a honeymoon period to uh, not be overly critical of the person. But then again, they always do a 100-day review of how the American people would feel about the president's performance during his first 100 days. You know, as I said before, Trump was negative uh, 10 or 11 points. Reagan was up. I think he was at 54%. Obama was 43-point net positive near the end of his first 100 days. George W. Bush had a net positive of 31 points. Bill Clinton had a net positive of 20 points. He was the lowest of the six presidents who preceded Trump, who was at a net negative of 11 points. Ronald Reagan had the best rating, a net positive of 54 points followed by George H.W. Bush, who had a net positive of 49 points, and Jimmy Carter a net positive of 45 points. When you look at the chart, Gary, Obama was at 69% approval, only 26% disapproval of what President Obama was doing. George W. Bush was 63% favorable, 32% disapproved. Bill Clinton was 59% of the people thought he was doing a good job in his first 100 days. Only 39% thought he was doing a poor job. Now, here's the ones that knock your shoes off. George H.W. Bush, who I adored and admired, was at 71% at this point in his presidency, with only 22% thinking that he was doing a poor job. Ronald Reagan has the all-time record. One, yeah, I think he has the all-time record. 73% of Americans rated Reagan in his first 100 days as positive, as approval. He was approved that highly, 73%. Only 19% of Americans disapproved of Reagan's first 100 days. Even Jimmy Carter was at 63% approved, 18% disapproved. And Richard Nixon was at 61% approval, 12% disapproved. Johnson was the best. You know, Lyndon Johnson was 79%. Now, keep in mind, he had this halo because of, of, you know, the tragic death of of John F. Kennedy. But he was at 79% approved of his performance in his first 100 days. Only 9% disapproved. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. John F. Kennedy was the best. John F. Kennedy was at 83% of, of the people approved of John F. Kennedy's performance in his first 100 days. 83%, 5% 83%, 5% disapproved. So, Mr. Biden, you have to look at those numbers. This is all reported by the Washington Post. You know, you have a 10% spread that's positive. Trump had an 11% spread that was negative. Everybody else, 43, 31, 20, 49, 54, 45. So it's it's not good, okay? From every perspective, where Mr. Biden is today has to be named as not good. Unless you're just comparing it to Donald Trump, and I'm sure Mr. Biden would like to be able to continue to use that as his foil, which is fine, we could do that, but it's not important to us. We we we're beyond that, and we want you to be successful, Mr. President, because your success would mean, ideally, the United States would be successful, and we will all be successful. So we're not uh, we're not looking at the, you know, this guy how how you know, but we are looking at the fact that when you take a snapshot of just about every other president. Um, other than Trump, you're not doing well. Oh, Gary, uh, this last week, we lost a, a great American and former vice president and U.S. Senator Walter Mondale. Walter Mondale was a vice president that truly changed the vice presidency. In the past, Gary, you had situations where the vice president was not included in national security issues, or even discussions on domestic policy. They were just kind of there and only meant to go to funerals and to check on whether or not the president was alive every day. And thanks to President Jimmy Carter, who's still alive, and thanks to the demand of Walter Mondale, that changed. And vice presidents ever since have been given more responsibilities And I think all of them would say that, whether you're talking about Bush or Gore or Biden. And obviously, Cheney may fall into the category of being the most powerful vice president in the history of our country. Well, Walter Mondale started that. And also, what Walter Mondale did in 1984 was historic. He placed a female on his ticket as vice president. A very bold move at the time. She was a three-term congresswoman from New York State. And, um, you know, they lost the election, but still, you know, no one would have beaten Reagan that year. And he was willing to take significant measures or moves to try to make a difference. He was very, very strong on civil rights as well, and lived to the ripe old age of 93. I would like to give my condolences to his family, and the country has truly lost a great American. Don't forget to subscribe.